Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Matthew Lostrop, who is the sales manager for First Climate, um, who are a leading service provider of carbon emissions, supporting private and public sector organizations in achieving their climate and sustainable objectives. Um, Matthew's here to talk about how, how, he can, how mining companies um, how he can help mining companies with their carbon and green uh, energy agendas, um, as it's going to be a major part in their future strategies um, over the coming years. Um, so now is the time to prepare if you're not already um, doing so. So that's welcome, Matt, to the podcast. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, excited to be here. Uh, I've heard a few uh, discussions of, well, maybe a m- month ago, um, mining participants uh, talking about the, the carbon market. So I thought uh, as an expert here, I'd, I'd like to join and maybe provide a bit of insight. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, you're, a, you're a, a new listener to the podcast. And as you mentioned, we were speaking, of, I can't remember what episode it was, but we were speaking about obviously carbon. Um, and then obviously you approached me um, because you're, you're an expert in this field. So I thought it'd be good to get you on um, to obviously explain and explain to our audience within the mining industry more about carbon. So before we get into some of the questions I want to ask you, I wonder if you can just give us an overview of your uh, of your background. Sure. So I'm I'm Canadian actually uh, in Germany right now. I studied here in uh, University of Munich. Uh, background in carbon quantification. Um, master's thesis was in uh, temperate landscapes and uh, afforestation and carbon removals and carbon management in, in temperate landscapes. And then been working with First Climate uh, in in the carbon market for the past three and a half years. Uh, the company is just over 20 years old. Uh, clients in the in the energy sector, shipping, transportation, finance sector, uh, helping them, you know, with their net zero strategies. Uh, also, have developed a, a project or two with them uh, as a way for their carbon portfolio and for them to be, you know, carbon neutral and and meet their net zero ambitions. Yeah, um, one of you can just tell us a little bit about the company First Climate. Um, obviously, you said they've been going for twenty years. So I just want to even give just give us, I suppose, a brief overview of that journey. I know you've only been there for three and a half years, but just a little bit of background about the company and, and perhaps a little bit since um, since you've been there. Mm-hmm. Well, since since I've been here, uh, I guess one of the one of the things that I think stands out for us is well, the voluntary carbon market uh, last year, just to kind of set the stage, was just over a hundred million tons of, of carbon was retired or, or transacted. Um, and first climate uh, transacted or delivered just over 10 million tons to to our clients supporting them you know compensating just over 10 million tons of carbon in the voluntary market so uh, just over 10% um, market activity uh, connections to you know well over uh, 150 projects all throughout the world in emerging economies 
helping projects that are you know, reducing emissions or avoiding emissions from a bunch of different technologies and, and certainly go into that uh, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so how does the carbon mark market relate to sort of mining companies um, and how does mining companies sort of get involved? So I guess one of the the biggest things that you know some of the well not only mining companies but every every sector and and country has has realized you know with the also the in light of the impact of the recent IPCC report International Panel Council on on climate change is the the human impact on the climate that we have is undeniable and business as usual from the past 40 years can't continue as it was so uh, there are clear targets to, you know, electrify the economy, and so there's a need for more raw resources and, and mining activities to to expand. But on the other hand, uh, investors are now requiring additional ESG activities to be, you know, bundled with that, maybe being carbon neutral uh, in order to expand your mine or, or issue new permits. And and there are a lot of stakeholders in the, in the global economy that are stepping up their um, targets to the Paris Agreement and ways that. Companies or corporates can can support these emission reduction targets is through offsetting of unavoidable carbon emissions. Um, that can't wait until 2030 or 2050. Uh, needs to happen now. But as a company, you know maybe it's uh, not not the the big Vale or or BHP, uh, but you know a company operating you know one or two mines. You know the easiest way to to get involved, quantify the carbon footprint of the company activities. You know there there are a lot of tools out there. Uh, one of them might be the greenhouse gas protocol. You now sets out some some outlines, different stages of where carbon emissions occur and and how you account for those. Um, and then it's putting a price on that carbon, compensating for those emissions and and supporting emission reduction projects. Um, so, what is the size of the the voluntary carbon market? So, to maybe put a bit of perspective, uh, the size of the carbon market is. Is dwarfed by the amount of emissions that are, you know, emitted uh, or carbon greenhouse gas emissions, you know, that, that we produce. Uh, companies, well, I guess for the, the how it happens, I guess there's about 40 billion tons of carbon that is that is emitted annually right now. Uh, in order to meet these Paris Agreement targets, and maybe we meet this 1.5 degrees or, or two degree um, scenario where we're where global temperatures are not raising above that level. Uh, we need to have those emissions. So going from 40 billion down to 20 billion tons of carbon emitted by 2030. Now, the voluntary carbon market is is much smaller than that. Uh, last year, there was 100 million tons of carbon retired uh, from the voluntary market. Now, there are there are some you know working groups uh, that are trying to scale this up uh, because they see the voluntary carbon market needs to be a, a part of this you know emission reduction. Uh, activity over the next, you know, ten and, and twenty years, and so it's, you know, there's plans to to scale up, you know, grow ten to fifteen times uh, over the next ten years in order to meet our our global uh, carbon reduction goals. But um, yeah, last year there was just over 100 million tons of carbon um, retired from various different types of emission reduction projects, whether that's you know forestry conservation, industrial energy efficiency, uh, renewable electricity. Um, in in you know emerging economies, yeah. Um, who's sort of engaging the carbon uh, market? And is there, I suppose, is there any particular countries that are giving off more carbon than they should do? Um, is there some countries that are worse than others, or or even industries? Mm -hmm. uh, so the volunt well, I guess there's two 
types of carbon markets. You know, one one is voluntary and one is compliance. Uh, so in Europe, the, that's the biggest compliance carbon market, uh, and there's you know regulations for for certain in- industries that um, they're allowed they're they're given certain allowances um, and and. Well, it's been all-time highs for the these allowances uh, up to well over 60 euros and and then well there's the voluntary carbon market and so these can be you know supporting emission reduction projects uh internationally and usually outside of or there these projects are usually in locations where there are no current policies that that supported that emission reduction activity now in the past you know in you know from 2013 to 2020 a lot of emission reduction projects were from you know renewable electricity uh, deployment in India or in China as the business as usual activity was coal-fired electricity power generation um, but then now uh, there's no need for the carbon market to kind of support those activities um, renewables are, are you know, quite economic and so now there's there's a bit of a shift um, but those would be the, the two countries where there's a a lot of carbon market supply would be from um, India and, and China, um, and then I guess who who else is engaged in the carbon market? Uh, it started off probably in, in the in the the finance sector. They were the, like the banking, aviation. It was, you know, it was compensating for the emissions of business travel. Um, more recently, since twenty eighteen. Uh, it's exploded in growth. Um, there are now like you know, carbon neutral product lines. Uh, companies looking, you know, carbon neutral transport and, and kind of engaging all throughout the, the supply chain. Uh, one, I think, interesting use case or a uh, client case, I guess, for the, the mining sector, you know, Apple, they, they use some of the, the raw materials uh, in the mining sector. And, and they're, you know, they're looking to be carbon neutral by, by 2030. Uh, one example how they're engaging with their clients right now, a supplier code of conduct. You know, if you're a semiconductor, you have to produce your uh, products with 100% renewable electricity. And so for, you know, in order to have a contract with Apple, you have to, you know, also show them you're consuming 100% renewable electricity in your factory. And I could see that coming down the the line to, you know, the raw material producers and, and suppliers, you know, for Apple to meet their 2030 targets. Uh, they're going to be engaging all the way down, and you know each company is going to have to be responsible for for their emissions, um, and, and they would have to compensate those. So that's kind of how I see it relating a little bit to to some of the mining clients or to the mining sector, you know, big big or small. Uh, maybe you don't have to be carbon neutral in your whole uh, company level uh, for next year, but you know, starting off with certain product lines or you know certain commodities or you know things that are shipped to to a certain region. I think it'll certainly be requested. Yeah. So obviously some of these companies are relying on the primary resources, as you mentioned, and i.e. mining is a, a primary resource. So um, what examples of, are some of the mining companies? Uh, what are they doing in the carbon market at the moment? Um, well, one thing, there's there's one kind of big overarching um, working group it's it's called the task force for scaling the voluntary carbon markets, and, and so there, um, there's a, a lot of discussion about you know robust and robustness of the voluntary carbon market, how it needs to scale up in order to like like we talked about, it's 100 million tons right now. It needs to get over uh, you know one billion tons uh, if it's going to have an impact on our global uh, emission reduction 
uh, activities. And so they're part of the working group, you know, BHP Billiton, Vale, they're part of this, uh, along with the energy majors, insurance companies, financial institutions, um, and they're, they're looking to scale up the uh, carbon market. Um, and then mm, another one, uh, I think you had you had one one uh, example on on your uh, podcast here about a month ago. There is a, a mining company that is entirely compensating the emissions from from their activities, and so that's the first one that I've seen. That's the first big splash uh, from the mining sector. But uh, the trend in commodity, carbon neutral commodities is is growing. Uh, so right now, the the big trend is in um, the energy majors delivering carbon neutral LNG, crude. Um, and I think it's inevitable. I've 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 heard uh, from a couple clients uh, where, you know, that the transportation emissions are, you know, of of transporting steel pipeline uh, is also going to be required. So um, that's where I kind of see this this whole uh, thing going, and and how the mining companies are slowly starting to have to be responsible for their for their emissions. Yeah, uh, you mentioned obviously you've mentioned a few different sets of figures there. Um, and it looks like 2030 is the date that they want to reduce a lot of these carbon emissions. How realistic are these figures? Um, and I suppose, related it to mining, what do mining companies really need to do? And what do they need to focus if they're not already doing that? Uh, is, there, uh, is there certain companies that are focusing on certain areas to reduce their, their carbon output? Yeah, there's... Um... Well, every every industry is is engaged right now in in, in setting these uh, commitments, and you know action needs to follow through. Uh, but it seems that like that, and and some of the things for you know decarbonizing at first, you know, starts with with quantifying your carbon emissions. You know, where is energy efficiency and and internal emission reductions uh, possible? Then, you know, the next thing in the in the mining sector, it's it's already happening at, at speed is uh, you know electrification uh, of vehicles of reducing the carbon footprint um, you know instead of using uh, or what did i hear one one previous podcaster was talking about the use of hempcrete um and then you know, I've, I've heard of other things in, in the concrete sector where you know um maybe using waste plastics for for five or ten percent of that to you know reduce the overall carbon footprint of of that product so you know, assessing the the building materials when um, constructing the mine, and another thing that I haven't heard too much about is a little bit of peer reviewed research. And um, a, a colleague of mine in, in Canada, he's, he's focused on this, is the uh, reclamation activities uh, using waste biosolids uh, as a way to, you know, as it's an underutilized way to to manage those municipal wastes and then also build the soil carbon stocks and support the biomass growth during the reclamation activities. Um, so something that could and, and probably should be considered uh, to decrease the greenhouse gas impact of a mine um, for, for the, the lifetime of it. And then finally, where, where these you know, emission reduction strategies are, are not possible, uh, there's always going to be some sort of residual emissions. You know, it's it's compensating for for unavoidable carbon emissions. So that's what the you know the case example there of the uh, carbon neutral nickel mine. You know, they they quantified their carbon emissions, and then they balance those out with, you know, it can be a, a forestry conservation project that avoids deforestation, um, yeah. supports forestry conservation projects in you know 
uh, Indonesia or Paraguay, places with you know high levels of, of permanent deforestation from from shifting uh, agriculture. Um, do you think the mining mining companies in general are ahead of the curve uh, with their carbon emissions, or do you think they're they're a little bit behind if they've got obviously these targets to hit? Um, and if they are slightly behind, what are they? What should they be looking to do? Uh, yeah, I, I have a, f- a feeling they, there's a lot of uh, road to gain for the mining companies. Uh, when I think you know it's all about the the quantification and setting up a roadmap. You know the the energy majors they are certainly getting going and using the voluntary carbon market as as ways to you know meet their net zero and, and carbon neutral targets. So um, you know mining companies they should also be assessing this. Uh, the voluntary carbon market uh, as you know it's just a tool it's you know there's all of you know it's one of 15 tools or or whatever there are um you know it's it's not a silver bullet but certainly uh, one way to support global decarbonization targets yeah and um, and how do you have a, a carbon carbon neutral mine uh what are some of the things i suppose if a if a company's looking to start a mine uh, which mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of uh, projects out there. If they were looking to go sort of carbon neutral, what are some of the things that maybe not necessarily are too obvious that some of these companies should be focusing on? So it's it's usually you know it it helps once the well you compensate for emissions that have have been produced. So from from the combustion of diesel uh, on site or something like this. Then uh, so once the mine is active. Or you know you also have your your mine activity plan. What is the the business as usual, and how can you you know reduce those activities, or reduce greenhouse gas emissions from those activities? That was you know the electrification, maybe uh, using alternative building materials, um, maybe extra activities of of increasing soil on or increasing soil carbon on the site, or or biomass or carbon from the the biomass stocks. Uh, on the site, uh, and then finally compensating the emissions, and and then you know overall you have a balance of residual emissions versus um, well compensating with with emissions that have been avoided somewhere else. Mm. So I suppose across a whole mine site, every company should be looking at each individual area to see, mm-hmm. the, and at, like you said, I think you said earlier on on in the podcast. Um, looking at every area and focusing on where they can actually reduce and obviously think up of ways in which they can obviously reduce the emissions. Yeah, certainly that, that's, that's how it all uh, starts out from you know, reducing where possible and then, you know, compensating for the residual remaining emissions that are, you know, hard to abate. Yeah. Um, so what type of credit uh, credits carbon, uh, sorry, what type of carbon credits are actually available um, and what are the prices for each of them? So it's um, quite, uh, well, there are a few different standards out there, um, how companies can engage in the carbon market. I think two of the leading ones would be uh, Vera and the gold standard. Uh, So what type of credits are available or like, what is the technology? Uh, So there's kind of two two different pathways. Uh, some projects they avoid carbon and some remove carbon. So, uh, avoided carbon project, um, you know, you take a, a baseline activity of coal-fired electricity generation, and then the uh, 
implemented activity carbon reduction pro or avoided carbon project would be uh, installing a, a wind installation or or uh, solar PV farm that generates electricity and avoids the demand from that uh, coal-fired electricity um, power plant. So that's an avoided carbon project, uh, and those still need financing. That can also be from you know improving landfill waste management so that there's uh, no methane leaks from these uh, poorly managed landfill sites. Then the other could be you know car or the other uh, stream or direction methodology is uh, carbon removal projects. And and this is these are either technical or or car or um, or natural. So technical would be this direct air capture and storage. Um, but in the voluntary carbon market, the the only uh, projects around under the the gold standard in VCS are afforestation, where the biomass grows, carbon is removed from the atmosphere, and so these are seen as a carbon removal project. Um, uh, oh, and you were asking about pricing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's uh, depends on the technology. I guess depends on the location. Uh, economic projects uh, can be under five US dollars per ton, and and then some of the more the nature-based projects, you know, certainly uh, they demand a bit higher, um, eight to ten, or or even up to to twenty dollars a ton for for afforestation um, activities. And depends on the scale of the project, whether that's you know afforesting 5,000 hectares or, you know, if it's conserving uh, forest stocks um, over 50,000 hectares or, or 1 million hectares. Um, and then I think I just also wanted to, to uh, add on this uh, note about the, the technical carbon removals is they get a lot of attention right now. Uh, we even have some clients that are requesting they're, they're only going to compensate for their emissions that are from technical carbon removals. Um, but uh, to put in perspective, there's a, there's a good report that came out uh, at the start of the year uh, from JP Morgan 2021 uh, Energy Outlook. And I just wanted to look at my notes here. Is, um, it was in order to technically sequester 15% of the US greenhouse gas emissions, we would require infrastructure or pipeline capacity that's currently higher than the existing pipelines for distributing and refining oil in the USA. So this current infrastructure for distributing um, existing or distributing uh, oil and gas in the USA, this took over 100 years to, to deploy. And we're not at too high of levels here for the technical carbon removal um, infrastructure. And so for that, you know, it will, it will play a part, but it's also not the silver bullet that some of these um, energy majors are talking about. If uh, they're only going to use the technical carbon removals, I mean, voluntary carbon market can also, you know, conserve forests. And I think uh, conserving existing natural carbon stocks, you know, should not be discarded. Yeah. Um, how do you define quality in a verified carbon uh, in a verified carbon project? Oh yeah. Um, well, there's no need to start at zero. There's been yeah. a lot of work that's already been done in this. Uh, a couple of the leading standards, uh, Vera, they are headquartered in, in Washington, D.C. And uh, Gold Standard, they're headquartered in, in Switzerland. You know, they've been developing methodologies and uh, really trying to improve you know, what, these, what these baseline assessments are from business as usual to the project is implemented and how many tons of carbon does it avoid or sequester? You know, they've, they've done a lot of work to improve that um, 
those baseline standards um, since since you know 2013, or that they've been around even a bit longer. But there's been a lot of development since since that time. And so I think you know choosing a project from from one of those two uh, standards is is the the good first start. Uh, they both have different attributes. The gold standard uh, it quantifies carbon emission reductions. Uh, from a project, but also at the same time, it also quantifies the uh, benefits or, or attributions of the UN Sustainable Development Goals that go along with that uh, implementation of that project. And and then you know whether that's you know providing clean drinking water, uh, gender equality, uh, education that go along with with maybe one of those implemented uh, household um, energy efficiency projects. Then uh, Vera, they have uh, something where it's. They, they quantify the carbon under a VCS standard, verified carbon standard, and then the additional benefits of that through a, another standard called biodiv- um, CCB, Climate, Community, and Biodiversity. And so, so some projects, often these nature-based projects um, that are you know forestry conservation, um, some people might know them as RED+, plus, reducing emissions from degradation and deforestation, plus community benefits. Um, these projects... Uh, they have VCS plus CCB. So it means they conserve carbon, uh, conserve the natural carbon stocks, and also support you know, climate, um, community biodiversity benefits. You know, if it's in at-risk regions uh, or there are endemic species there, uh, working with the communities uh, in the ground to ensure there are alternative livelihood uh, project activities that you know, avoid deforestation. So you know, working with these standards, I think, is is definitely one of the you know the first things to be doing. Uh, and then, you know, along with that, these these projects they're all third party verified. So, you know, it's it's not uh, first climate that's you you don't have to trust us. I mean, we we also do our due diligence in in these projects, but you know the methodology written by experts at the standard, and then you know a, a third party auditor goes in and you know if it's if it's about a, a forestry conservation project they're uh, doing satellite imagery assessment and then ground truthing, making sure you know to assess, you know what's the deforestation rate over the past five years or ten years in this region, and what has happened uh, this current year and in, in or this past current year in, in 2020. Has there been any deforestation? No, uh, they they verify that, and then these are uh, reports that are publicly available in the registry for for. You know, companies that are looking to engage and compensate their emissions, you can certainly uh, read these. So that would be the first steps um, uh, to to kind of define quality, and and you can kind of go from there. Uh, a lot of other ones. Uh, some companies they also like to focus on countries where they're operating, or maybe if um, you know where their raw materials go to might be some of the things to to consider uh, when when choosing a, a carbon project. Yeah. Um, with obviously depending on what country you're in, is there a lot, is there some, some sort of government initiatives to help companies? Um, and I suppose look, we're obviously working in the mining industry. Um, is there sort of government incentives at all to, to help companies assist in obviously reducing carbon? Hmm. So the, the thing about uh, the carbon markets is that it needs to be additional. Uh, uh, the project needs to be the implementation of that project needs to go above and beyond or outside the scope of the current policies in in that country. So that's why there are no uh, carbon reduction projects uh, for renewable electricity in Europe. 
and and the the standards are also developing all the time and they've also said that you know there's no uh, they will not be issuing new uh or they will not be registering new renewable electricity projects in in China or in India uh because there are are government policies there uh past past 2020 right so often um but but then there are some at risk countries you know uh, of deforestation i mean there are there are some uh projects you know forestry conservation projects you know i think off the top of my head i think i know like the um in in cambodia for example uh where there's there's opportunity where maybe the project developer is is a a, a government entity and and they would still be you know issuing carbon credits from that project and that's how a a company can you know support the forestry conservation in in a uh country like that okay um we've got a viewer question um we advertised um uh, probably last week or last week that you're going to come on the show and we asked uh, if anyone wants to ask you a question and we've got a question from Owen McCall who asks um what is the process like to get a project certified as a carbon offset or carbon credit provider that's a, a bit of a timely process uh, and i guess it usually depends on the technology um you know there are a few things that that have to go along uh you have to write a, a project description uh you have to have that approved by the methodology whether that's you know gold standard or or vera um you know is it a uh you know tree planting project is it a forestry conservation project uh if you're a mine is it is it adding um biosolids uh onto your uh landscape to improve the or increase the soil carbon stocks you know you need to work on the methodologies or work with the methodologies there uh, write those up uh then you know the the project can be implemented and then there's you know, a bit of um approval i think this kind of takes uh, about 2 years maybe before the uh carbon well then there's an auditor that goes in um like third party auditor that we were talking about they have to assess that the you know activities have taken place um and this can usually take you know quick would be would be uh 24 months i think okay so quite a cum- quite cumbersome uh process then to go through um if 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 obviously companies are looking to to i suppose reduce their carbon in certain areas of their business yeah and they also but they also require um depends on the methodology like for for landscape management projects whether this is you know uh, like the, the soil management tree uh afforestation forestry conservation uh these projects require you know 20 year land management activities so uh it's required yeah you, you should be you know in for the long haul if you're looking to develop your own project um but there are existing ones out there not every company needs to develop their own project you know you can also focus on your core business uh of you know mining and then there are other um uh, you know project developers that are you know like first climate are you know 100% core businesses carbon market so um there are existing projects out there where you can you can um they have issued carbon credits from their you know forestry conservation activities and, and you can buy those and support and provide you know climate finance to you know continuing continuing the success uh, of those yeah um so as a conclusion i just wanted if you can uh, give us a um an overview of first climate and how you can potentially help mining companies if they're 
if they're looking to obviously reduce their carbon emissions in certain areas of their business. Um, I wonder if you can just tell us that some of the services that you're you're able to provide and maybe consultancy services that you can uh, that you can help these mining companies with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some of the consulting services are kind of how it, how it usually works. What our what our clients are doing, you know, it's and how we engage with them, helping quantify the carbon emissions uh, that are taking place using the greenhouse gas protocol. Then, you know, every company, you know, they they're focused on you know whatever activities for for reducing their emissions, and then in the end, maybe they want to be carbon neutral or they want to deliver a carbon neutral product to a client. Uh, and this is where we can, or maybe they have a target to be carbon neutral by, you know, 2030. Here we can, you know, assess the entire corporate carbon footprint, uh, how, you know, a stepwise approach, uh, how you can, you know, compensate your carbon emissions, you know, starting in 2021 uh, from, you know, projects that are on the market, maybe implementing your own projects at the same time so that in, you know, five or six, five or six years, you know, the majority of your carbon portfolio is coming from projects that you've developed. Uh, these are some of the services um, that, that we are certainly helping our clients out with. Yeah, and I suppose you can help um, not just obviously the the big companies that have multiple mine sites, but also um, mining companies that are maybe going in going into construction or even in the pre feasibility uh, stages of projects. So I suppose you can help help companies throughout the whole project life cycle. Certainly. I mean, we've also um, been engaged uh, some re- early discussions with uh, some energy companies that are looking to be, you know, exporting uh, gas from a facility, you know, by by the year, you know, 2022, 2023, and they're looking to have a carbon strategy and, and you know, they don't want to be, you know, buying carbon credits or emission reduction credits from the spot market in 2023. And so we can work with them now. Uh, build a portfolio. Um, so even if it's in the planning planning stages to have a carbon neutral mine um, by 2023, uh, would love to have a chat. Certainly help yeah. you out. Yeah, certainly. Um, so yeah, appreciate your time, Matt. Um, wondered if you can get, uh, uh, wondered if you're on any social media platforms and how can our audience reach out to you if they've got any questions, which I imagine they, they have got some questions um, or obviously around uh, carbon emissions um how can i go about contacting you um yeah i guess um, the company uh contact would be the best i, I can i guess uh provide this for the show notes here uh, email matthew lostrip at, at firstclimate.com and then uh also on uh on linkedin yeah okay no worries like i said i'll, I'll we'll include these in the show notes uh accompany this so if you want to reach out to matt if you've got any questions then uh yeah please do so um, Matt, really appreciate your time for giving us a, um, an overview and I suppose a learning um, around obviously carbon carbon um, emissions. And obviously, I, I'd imagine a lot of mining companies, if they're not already doing it, are thinking about um, reducing their, their carbon output. And um, you've obviously, hopefully you've given a, um, some of our audience um, some ideas uh, as to what they need to start doing. Um, and if they're, I suppose, if they're facing any challenges, they can obviously reach out to you. Um, so really appreciate your time. Um, and those uh, that are listening, um, thank you for listening to obviously this episode. Appreciate if you can um, pass this on to definitely some of your colleagues in the industry, um, because uh, I'd imagine 
Um, if you're having some of your challenges around this, they will be also. So appreciate if you can obviously share this episode amongst your um, uh, colleagues, former colleagues um, in the industry. So they've got the chance to um, understand more about the, the carbon market. So um, thank you again, Matt. Appreciate your happy time. Happy to be here. No, and appreciate your time. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.